welcome everybody. This is episode 19 of the Machoma podcast and today our guest is Shitz Bakker. Welcome. Thank you. You are working with organizations for more than 20 years. Yes. And uh, more specifically in the last 10 years you became an independent advisor and trainer of organizations and you have developed your own methodology, mm-hmm. what you can work with. And of course, I know this from the startup environment that organizations are always changing. Mm-hmm. And one of the main uh, reason is that there is an initiator who has this, almost all of the cases, the entrepreneurial mindset. And then all of the followers, they have more like the follower mindset. So they want some certainty, they want some comfort, say they want some structure and these words are relating with each other and that causes the most of the problems within organizations in one sense but what is your experience with organizations and how did you get into this human lego uh, work well my experience is that uh, the energy that is needed to start up Uh, a company or an idea or a process or a team or whatever the energy of starting up is a different kind of energy than the energy which is necessary to be able to continue something so changing between those two energies might be difficult Um, (laughs) Uh, so this demands uh, for the person who, who had the first idea to be able to recognize it and build a system where the energy uh, that is needed to continue can thrive. And if you cannot do this, then your idea cannot grow any further because it just takes something different. Hmm. And I find in organizations that there's uh, many different types of energy that is necessary to enable to be succeed. So if you're in finance, you need something else in your way of thinking and the way of constructing success than when you're in uh, sales and if those parts of a company start to fight each other um, they are all right Mm. but nothing happens Mm. so all energy gets uh, spent in in keeping each other stuck Mm. i think uh, uh, if you look at nature everything flows so flow is more natural than um, keeping things stuck so in my work as business consultant, I'm always looking for what is happening here, what is being kept stuck, mm. and what is necessary to release this energy so things can flow naturally again. So this yeah. is my job. Yeah, cool. And the best way to do this, uh, in my opinion, is to ask questions. Yeah. So my questions, I call them moving questions, and they are always aimed to invite, uh, to look at what is being held stuck, and where is flow being obstructed. So you, you think that uh, yeah the questions are more like a, a, a tool to kind of uh, peel uh, off the layers, the onion layers, instead of uh, having a, an answer for them. Because most of the time our society, especially here in the Western world, is solution-oriented. They, they mm-hmm. want to uh, kind of solve problems right away instead of getting to the the real core well being solution orientated is being stuck as well yeah because you are so focused on your results that you cannot see all the other parts which are also relevant and uh, you miss out this information by being biased to your result 
And to me, it's not about uh, the layers of an onion. It's really about uh, creating connections mm. in which exchange can take place. Yeah. So you don't have to understand completely how it works. But if you make the right connection, then it can flow by itself. Yeah. Because in nature, everything exchanges, everything flows. Nothing remains the same, even if you don't see the, the uh, changes on a daily basis. Yeah. So it's much more uh, interesting to just look at uh, what is being held stuck. And I assume there's a good reason why something is being stuck. And the only thing I have to do is to see what can be reconnected again. Yeah. Yeah, it's very very interesting. Like, if I if I may bring uh, some uh, wagoning and related big question, you mm-hmm. know, like for example, the main narrative is still how to feed the world. Yes. And uh, which is uh, more mainly focusing on uh, quantity, more quantity than quality, and less about the other questions. Hey, is that maybe already enough for distribution or education of the people where it's too much food wasted, how not to waste? And yeah, these kind of other questions should be also asked. So I see it. Yes, and if you were only to look at a quantity, then you look at an isolated part. So you somehow define the world in such a way that things are included in the question and excluded in the question on how to how to create enough quantity to feed the world. Whereas if you consider that feeding the world um, is, uh, you consider it as a whole, not just a part, but as a whole also the social uh, aspects of it and the economical aspects of it, and not just the agricultural aspects yeah. of it, then it gets a much more um, richer field in which you can research and in which uh, nuances are. Yeah, yeah, because you also mentioned in the book there are many questions uh, in mainstream narratives which are already biased yes. uh, uh, from the beginning. So they ask the question which is kind of already uh, including uh, or steering the answer to the question. Yeah, yeah. So I always teach pe- people there's two kinds of information. So the first kind is uh, the kind with which you need to... Um, have a focus and to have results. Hmm. So these these are analytical questions. You want to know more about the parts. So you want to know exactly uh, what's happening, what are the facts, uh, what was the order in which things happened. And it's some kind of a linear th- way of thinking. And this is all relevant information, but it's not the only information. There's yeah. also different kind of information. I call it systemic information. It comes from a bigger field. And if you have a, um, a result focus hmm. when you need systemic information, you won't get there. Because if you need um, analytical information, you need to zoom in, you need yeah. to have more details. But if you need to have systemic information, you need to zoom out. So the way of thinking is completely different. And when you need uh, to have systemic information, you look at how are things connected? Hmm. Where is flow being obstructed? And that demands that you have um, a state within yourself wherein you can accept the things the way they are. So you don't have any conclusions, don't have any goals. And then you take information from this field. And when you have enough information, you go back to the analytical field. And that's the uh, moment to make a plan or take a decision. With this rich information, not only about the parts, but also the information about the the whole, the system where it's part of. It's like when people uh, just use Google Earth 
mm-hmm. and they see a specific country and they don't know the geopolitics around it, what is happening in North Korea. But if they zoom out, they can see, oh, there is neighboring with South Korea, there is neighboring with China, with uh, Russia. So it's uh, the, the dynamics uh, right away uh, become much more clear what, is, what could be the reason of the conflict. Yes, yeah. and then when you walk in the streets, you can sense it. Yeah. So you get a much richer experience, and the things you experience are uh, much more meaningful, yeah. much more full of life. Yeah, and uh, what you also mentioned that I also experienced that, uh, for example, this analytical, only uh, traditional science-based knowledge and uh, search for search for knowledge is only data-based, but uh, it comes. Uh, up in all walks of life that instincts are also important and sometimes there is much more wisdom or I don't know much more uh, other kind of information in instinctual uh, experience than in uh, data yes. based. So to me if you only uh, allow yourself to use analytical thinking that's a kind of poverty thinking hmm. because you exclude a whole source of information which uses different language. In the systemic field, you get information by sensing through your body. Hmm. Like your instinct is something happening in your body. It's like your antenna responds to systemic energy, or it's like the, the Wi-Fi. You are yeah. plugged into a Wi-Fi channel yeah. uh, without even knowing. <laughs> and yeah. you can use this information. But if you say, well, I cannot use this information because it's in my stomach and not in my head. Well, to me, that's poverty. Yeah, and it's also like very controversial because in the entrepreneurial world, they also say that, oh, just follow your instincts or the artists, the most successful people, all all of them are preaching that I was following my heart, I was following my gut. But in the mainstream still, uh, we just want everything on paper and uh, analytical, uh, you know, like we want to have an algorithm for everything. Well, the difficult thing is that uh, both of them contradict each other. Yeah. So people who really like the analytical way of thinking, they say, well, people who do the systemic thing, and you, you cannot uh, come to anything with them because mm. they have no goals, they have no focus, mm. which is true. They don't have a focus, but it's necessary to gather this information. And yeah. that's why I recommend people to use both. First, start in the analytical field, uh, get some information about what it's about, then enrich the information from the systemic field and then get back to analytical way of thinking by making a decision or taking a, or making a plan. Yeah. So you can, and I also think when I look uh, in the organizations where I work, the most successful leaders, the most successful products, the most successful teams, they do this, they use both. Hmm. Not just analytical, not just scientific, but both. Yeah, I, I, I agree that uh, there is so much uh, polarization in all all aspects uh, in daily life but also in this from this uh, aspect uh, but only a few people can realize this that hey we can use east and west left and right there is all uh, all kinds of uh, value in if you see if we see the big picture yeah, yeah. and um, analytical and systemic are not opposites yeah. to each other they enrich each other yeah. So it's not either the one or it's not ends of a scale, it's just a parts of a whole. Yeah. And what do you think, how can uh, people or leaders you know, within organizations can kind of uh, re- uh, reawake these instincts? Is it a possibility? Because if someone uh, 
grows up in a very technical environment, in a very technical programming, let's say mind programming with education and uh, family, then uh, it's very difficult to uh, to repro. Oh, that was a nice <laughs> to actually even imagine to have uh, an instinct what they can trust in. It's just so untangible for them. Yeah, but the great thing is, everybody has it. All children, they live by it. It's the yeah. only thing they do, and then we teach them not to use it. <laughs> and also animals, like um, I'm afraid of dogs. Mm. And then when I walk by, a dog always starts barking, mm. jumping onto me, and then the owner says, he never does that. <laughs> mm. No, but the dog responds to my energy, and yeah. we haven't taught him not to do that. So I understand why he's barking at me. Yeah. Because there's a connection and there's information flowing through it. So even if you're educated in a technical environment and it's not okay to use your, your instinct, you still have it. So the main thing is to allow yourself to get access to this information again. Hmm. And uh, there was a report from Tino at the beginning of this year uh, saying that 16% of employees in the Netherlands uh, are keep being called sick. Hmm. Uh, each year with burnout hmm. uh, complaints. 16%, that's like everybody once in every five, six years. Yeah. Being burned out is being stuck, is being not connected to this kind of information. So if hmm. you have this feeling and you're not allowed to use it, that's a lot of hard work that takes a lot of energy to think of explanations why you shouldn't uh, hmm. use it or to go against it. So I think it's much more natural to combine both types of information. And I also think that we live in um, a culture at this moment and at a time, uh, uh, 2019, when it's necessary. And where we start like allowing ourselves and each other to, to use this again. But still we do need to find some ways of doing it. We need to find language, we need to find uh, form so that's why i wrote a book moving questions yeah. to invite people to, to reconnect to this uh, information again hmm. yeah it was interesting because i when i also when i was uh, reading the book mm -hmm. it was uh, for me not that easy to read as i expected because the because of the questions were stated on a way that I, it kept me thinking oh what if what if why yeah. <laughs> so i was uh, did, uh, did you read the book in one time uh, first uh, within two days so it was also a big big chunks and uh, I see that in the first chapter you you say that uh, just uh, read it in in bits and, and yes. pieces to be able to process it yes what what would you suggest to people when they take the book what is the most ideal setting to read it through and uh, experiment with the so the first thing is when you start reading don't believe it because I wrote it Huh. Just check for yourself how you can connect it with everything you know and uh, how it applies in your experience. And then when you start reading, just read one chapter at a time. And then just don't plan to read the next chapter, just hmm. wait for an impulse hmm. <laughs> that you are ready for the next bit uh, of information. Hmm. And also I do a lot of teaching um, and I prefer to start at 10.30 and end at um, 3.30, so I like to have short days mm. what, because I notice that in the groups I work with people are just exhausted <laughs> mm. at 3 o'clock because there's so much 
new information and existing information gets a different meaning if you apply this systemic knowledge. Hmm. Um, and I always say, don't work hard. Why should you work hard? Because when things, the things that are successful came easy. Hmm. And when you prospered most in your life, that was easy. You was never tired. Yeah. So if something um, tires you, it means that some ideas or some ways of doing things are being kept stuck. Hmm. So of all possible energy you have, you have to spend an amount to keeping things stuck as they are. Yeah. So you can achieve less. Hmm. And last year I turned 45. Hmm. And then I thought, I'm starting to get old now. How am I going to do this? Yeah. <laughs> and I cannot use the strength of youth anymore. But when I go to work and I come home, I don't want to be exhausted. I want yeah. to be full of life and I want to spend yeah. time with my children. So I thought, how can I spend my working day in such a way that I keep the same amount of energy when I come home mm. as I left the house? Mm. This was a, such an interesting experience because it forced me to investigate uh, the connections in I have and how I keep things stuck myself. Mm. Like in um, having ideas about quality. Mm. It has to be right all the time. It has mm. to be right at once. Mm. This takes energy. Yeah. So then I started playing around and thought, well, how can I achieve uh, quality without um, this, this firmness and uh, yeah. it has to be like this. Yeah. And then I yeah. just started playing and experimenting. So since then, I just um, don't lose any energy anymore yeah. on, on this type of things. And I get home just as vivid and energetic as I left the house. Yeah. I had also... I, I think I also wrote up uh, this sentence uh, for me. This this book uh, suggested this uh, quote from Bruce Lee, like "Be like water." I, yeah. really, I was really like, oh, it's like the, si the similar uh, way of thinking, the similar patterns. Yes. Like, don't stuck and and yes. yeah, flow. And also, the the flow uh, methodology or the flow, uh, the idea behind flow, uh, kind of uh, came back to me. It should be easy. Yeah. It should be fun, and the. An easy thing to do is, if I want to do this, if I say this, if I try this, is it an invitation mm. or is it something else? And if you invite something to happen, mm. there's like acceptance, there's flow, there's mm. uh, access to all sources, there's uh, using other information you don't know about. Mm -hmm. So you can always check by yourself, is this what I'm doing? Is it an invitation or does it have a, a different character? Mm -hmm. And invitations bring life, bring pleasure, yeah. bring... Yeah, flow. Yeah, looking back, uh, you know, because I kind of get what you are saying through the book, and I was reflecting back to my life. Oh, maybe I already stated some uh, or asked myself some flowing questions, uh, and the most uh, powerful were most powerful questions were I don't know if they were uh, flowing or not, but the why not and the what if. Yeah. Are they kind of flowing questions or is just a very... Are they meant as invitations? Yeah, I think, yeah. So there's your answer. Yeah. yeah. So if it's a why not and you have to um, declare yourself and explain why not, then it has a different character. Hmm. But if it's why not, like, why should we not do this? Like yeah, exploring, yeah. then it becomes an invitation and then much more is possible. Yeah. And I see that... Uh, it's also mentioned that the, the roots of these methodologies are lying in the uh, constellation yes. thinking and the constellation methodology uh, from uh, 
Bert Hellinger. Bert, Bert Hellinger. Yes. How did you develop this, or uh, you first just started on your own level, or it was already a professional idea that you that you you thought that oh it's very interesting to get into this how organizations work, or you had a basic uh, curiosity and you went on the Bert Hellinger. Uh, family constellation because I've been once in a family constellation like 10 years ago then I wasn't participating I was just observing mm -hmm. but the situation which was uh, the, the constellation was reminding me to my own situation yes. and I went home and cried then yeah, that <laughs> it was <happens>. crazy <laughs> well crying is also recruiting yeah. so how did it start for you well um it really started when I was a child. Mm. As a child, I decided I wanted to become like really, really, really good at something mm. as a grown-up. Uh, I didn't know what. Mm. And then I worked as a business consultant uh, and I was not so good. <laughs> and this really annoyed me and I was just searching and searching, where can I be good? So I started reading all kinds of management literature, which did not help, of course, because that's all analytical uh, knowledge. Yeah. And my colleagues were much better at this than I was. And then uh, I was invited to a constellation and I saw what happened and I thought, wow, I, can, I could be good at this. I could be really, really good. Hmm. Uh, and then I started uh, uh, training myself as a constellator, as a family constellator and as a business constellator. And I hated it. Hmm. Uh, I love the knowledge, I love the ideas, I love the concepts, but the constellation as a form in itself, to me, it's it's very magical. Mm. And if you are a client with an issue and yeah. then something beautiful happens and your whole world has changed, which is of course awesome, yeah. but as a client, you're very dependent on the constellator. Yeah. And as I got more experience, sometimes I could just see which book the constellator was reading because it's, hmm. it showed itself in the constellation. Yeah. And then I thought, hmm, if this knowledge and these concepts are so beautiful and they're so rich, yeah. there must be other ways to use it. So uh, I started researching in what other forms can I use this knowledge? And also I thought, well, if it's so rich, beautiful and meaningful, then people who are not trained in this should be able to, re to use it as well because otherwise it would be forced and to me, in my interpretation that was contradictory to, to the, the essence of this kind of knowledge. Uh, so I wanted to use a form that anybody could use. I wanted to develop a form anybody could use anywhere, anytime. And then I thought, well, you're asking questions. Anyone can ask a question anytime. Um, so I started working from there and uh, it became moving questions mm. yeah cool yeah and now i get like emails almost every day from people who read my book in dutch which is mm. called raken vragen or uh, attended a workshop or took uh, some other kind of notice uh, of these questions uh, and they're saying wow this really made a big yeah. difference only by asking a question and they don't need me they don't need a guru they don't yeah. need a trainer they don't need a coach uh, you can do it yourself. That's also why I wrote a small book. Yeah. Because I also want people who don't like reading yeah, <laughs> to and be uh, able to read it. It's also tricky because you see, it's, oh, it's just 148 pages, and you wanna just okay, this afternoon I'm gonna finish it. Yes. Halfway, like oh, Jesus, I'm 
I'm so tired. I'm yeah. <laughs> questions popping up in my head. <laughs> yeah. 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 So you definitely would say that uh, because that's the other tricky question. Tricky question that uh, when, for example, there is an organizational leader mm-hmm. and they feel the urge to move on, mm-hmm. you know, and then they see your books. Oh, moving questions. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe see, they see some reviews or this podcast and, oh, maybe that's what we need. And then uh, to keep themselves calm <laughs> and just to process the book how you suggested, like uh, in uh, pieces, in uh, uh, chapters, not in the whole. Because then I can imagine when it's a good or when it's a big organization and it's it loses money and the stress is uh, getting higher and higher and uh, bigger and bigger uh, those people who are in uh, responsible uh, positions they want to get the answers <laughs> that's also a kind of tricky situation yeah, yeah. life doesn't work that way yeah <laughs> life just doesn't work that way yeah. so if they force um, energy to flow that doesn't go. Yeah. So it's great if they are inspired and they reflect uh, on uh, where are things being stuck in my organization? Yeah. How do I keep people being stuck? Yeah. How uh, do I not allow information to reach me? Yeah. Those are the really interesting questions on those positions. And yeah, if they read a book and they are inspired and they say, well, everybody in my organization should read this book. Yeah. That's a new form of keeping things stuck. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not inviting. Yeah. So I would ask them, what can you do to invite hmm. <laughs> yourself and the people you work with to uh, connect back again to life? Yeah, it's also like what I think that would uh, maybe shake them a bit uh, from their mindset is that I guess an organizational leader is also solution oriented. Yes. at the first place and they don't necessarily ask oh, what is stuck so if they just uh, go one layer beyond uh, instead of scratching the surface and try to uh, find some answers on an organizational level but see what is happening without attachment because that also I kind of uh, uh, recognized this uh, phenomenon of non-attachment or you just have to observe what is happening and then you can make a uh, calm, calmer decision where to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that would be much more. Uh, well, I hope that the leaders will recognize this as something that's being right hmm. and something that is necessary to add to their organizations. And there's nothing in this book that you don't that's new. Hmm. I'm just like the translator of hmm. something you already knew existed, uh, only you didn't give us these words or these questions or these shapes or these examples. So that's my contribution that I made up the questions and I thought of the examples out of my own life and experience as a business consultant. But I really, really hope and also think that if you read it, that you recognize it in your own world and remember it to be true. Hmm. That's why I'm always saying, don't believe it because I say it, believe it because you recognize it as something valuable. And if you don't recognize it, fair enough. Hmm. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, and perhaps if you read the book in a couple of months, then you read something completely different and then you can make the connections which are uh, suitable for you at that time in your life. Yeah. 
So it's always inviting. Yeah, because that's also important. Maybe we are already touching this this question, or not question, but uh, one of the chapters were about if you are always trying to uh, solve a problem mm-hmm. that might be a symptom, that's gonna create another symptom. Yes. And uh, maybe it's not that if we think about uh, a management or organization level, if you put a lot of money to solve a symptom and why you create another symptom, maybe it's not that good business for your organization instead of stepping back and try to try to move uh, these blockages. Yeah, so it starts with recognizing if a problem is really a problem that needs to be solved on a result-focused uh, basis or that a problem is perhaps a symptom and if it's a symptom for something else then you need information from a different domain then you need a systemic information to learn what the symptom is telling you about the system as a whole so if you have a lot of turnover for example you can say oh this person is leaving Hmm. (laughs) and now the other one is leaving and Hmm. the third one is leaving perhaps i should pay them more or i should do my uh, uh, research uh, process different uh, I should uh, uh, do something about the job itself mm. you know you can all do all kind of things to uh, work with the problem itself but if it keeps repeating you mean the fluctuation of employees it's yes, a, they are yes, changing them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. then you can say perhaps it's a symptom of something else yeah uh, and then if you say well, what might it be a symptom of in what world is it logical uh, that I have this high turnover mm. and then you, ca- you you experience a whole new field of information but this demands that you're willing and able to to look at everything yeah. so if you don't want to uh, uh, if you don't want that it's about money or you don't want that it's about the quality of your product or anything then mm. you exclude uh, some possibilities mm. and then your answers get much weaker so the most difficult thing is to organize yourself in such a way that you are willing and able to address all possible answers. Hmm. And what do you think could be the root of these blockages? Because I was, I, I, I came up with two possible uh, okay. roots, uh, which is maybe one. Mm-hmm. It's a kind of a fear of uh, or a trauma, or there was some past event in maybe on an individual level or if you if anyone looks into the book they see they can see that uh, these systems are interconnected and and go back in time or there is not even time existing so yeah what what do you think what could be the the root trauma could be a good root because when uh, one experiences trauma a part of oneself gets disconnected and it's Mm. like and you, you keep a part of uh, the energy cell in your body, yeah. which is not available for something else. And also an important route is um, how you have learned, how you were taught that the world is like. Mm. So if you have learned as a child, for instance, that for you there's no help because your parents were busy working or um, dealing with their own traumas, etc. As a child somewhere, unconsciously you decided I have to do it by myself Hmm. and this is what you will see in the world around you Hmm. and then the idea of that help is available doesn't even come to mind Hmm. Um, and then uh, if you were a leader of a business then you will organize and structure your business in such a way that there is no help 
Yeah. So part of it is disconnected. So this is how things originate in uh, patterns in persons and companies. Hmm. Yeah. And that's where constellation work uh, uh, started. They started yeah. reconnecting through constellations. Yeah. And how, how can uh, the listeners who have no experience with constellation, how can they imagine a session? Can, can we share some, some ideas about how a session yes, looks like? Yes, of course. Yeah. So most of the time it's, it, it, it really varies per person who, does, who leads the constellation. Most of the time it starts with a question like, uh, I feel exhausted or I'm in conflict with my colleagues or I have to make a decision. I don't know how to make a decision. And then the constellator will ask some questions about the, uh, the issue to um, know where to look at. And if you do it with persons, then the constellator could say, well, let's put someone in the constellation who can represent you and someone who can represent your issue. And then you give both representatives a place in the, in the room you are at. And then the constellator can read how you put people um, in the room, uh, like by the grammar of mm. this, uh, this field, uh, what might be uh, the issue, what might be the case. And then he can do some interventions like adding a person, like adding your mother or your father or adding a different part. And then uh, the constellator looks at how these people who are in the constellation um, respond to each other. Hmm. And then he, most constellators will work through an end situation where uh, the maximum flow happens. Hmm. So they can actually observe where the blockages yes. can be found. Yes, yeah. which parts need to be reconnected. Yeah, yeah. so it's in interesting because, for example, when I went to this mm -hmm. uh, and there was the, the girl fi figured out that there, there, there is problem in between her parents. Yes. But as she was uh, an, the third, like the child, and none of them were there, mm -hmm. uh, this problem was, you know, the, the blockage was uh, observed and uh, discovered but uh, they couldn't move on because those who had the, the blockage between them they haven't seen this mm -hmm. <laughs> well it's not about the blockage between the parents yeah. it's about how the girl relates to this blockage mm. so often children if if parents are not connected they will start to repair <laughs> this mm. uh, lack of connection yeah. so they, they will be the uh, in-between person <laughs> Hmm. or they will start taking care of their parents. This is what a child does by himself. Yeah. So what a constellator can do in a constellation is give different meaning <laughs> to uh, what's happening between the parents for the girl, hmm. for the child. And if this happens, the child can be the child again without having solved the issues between the parents because children are not supposed to do that. The parents have to do that themselves. Hmm. And then when a child is only taking care of itself, not, no longer for the parents, they can live more freely. Hmm. So you cannot fix the problems of someone else. You can only work on how you relate to the things you experience in your life. Yeah. And the way to relate to uh, what you experience is to invite what is happening here. Where am I keeping things stuck in thoughts like, my mother is never there for me, or. Uh, my father never listens to me or those yeah. thoughts you have created yourself hmm. what's a good reason for father not to listen yeah. because there's so much in his life or he hasn't 
learned how to listen yeah, to children. Also, like, uh, yeah, if we translate instead of observing, if you translate to uh, from our perspective, uh, this victimization of ourselves can actually like uh, become like a vortex. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it just drains energy out of you. Yeah. So if um, to check if you have ideas that are being stuck, just think. Imagine yourself talking to about it the whole evening with mm. friends, and then check if I would do that. Would I be exhausted at the end of the evening, or would I feel alive and, and mm. capable and loving? If you feel exhausted, then you're being stuck. Mm. Cool. It's very easy. There was one other one other chapter about being present somewhere. Mm -hmm. First, when I read the first part of it, uh, I also I could relate to the framing. Yeah. And uh, what you mentioned with presence and bedding, is it something uh, related to this framing or is more like just uh, the presence in general? Like now I'm uh, focusing on you and not uh, checking my phone. Mm -hmm. Because that is also a very important aspect that uh, often people have very superficial meetings i mean you see many times in restaurants people are sitting four of them in the table and everybody's uh, playing with their phone and yeah. they are there for being together so you meant more that part of it of being well, real present I wouldn't, I wouldn't call that superficial i would yeah. say it's just a low quality of presence yeah. which is a waste of possibilities yeah. um, last evening i have three children uh, and my husband wanted to watch a, f a movie with the five of us. And he said, we are only watching at one screen. Hmm. And the five of us were watching the same movie on the same screen together. Hmm. Hmm. And it was just, everybody felt comfortable. And it was very intimate in a way, although I found the movie to be quite boring. Yeah. But still, I j enjoyed it very much because in a way I was spending high quality time with my family. If I were to check uh, my email or play a game on my uh, phone, then the whole experience would have been less um, intimate and less warm for the whole family because my quality of presence is much lower. This also happens in restaurants when somebody's watching a football game on their yeah. phone or something else and then you get a bit irritated. So in order to make connections and to let life flow, you need to create a quality of presence, a certain quality of presence. And sometimes you keep it low because you just want to do something else. But if you want something to happen, you need to have a high quality of presence. So like when I would be nervous for this podcast, yeah. then nervousness would be in my presence. Yeah. And then I would send out to you nervousness. Mm. And even people who are not here at this moment, but are listening to the podcast later on, perhaps even a year or two years later, mm. and they are in a whole different part of the world, they resonate to this nervousness. Mm. So what you send out <laughs> gets um, heard, gets felt by something else, someone else, and they respond to that. Mm. So, and my nervousness can originate from my wanting to, be, to do it really well, <laughs> mm. and to say interesting, meaningful things. But if I, I'm focused on that, I keep things stuck myself. Hmm. So when I drove uh, to Wageningen, I was just like, how can I create uh, such a state for myself that I keep nothing stuck? 
mm. I can just let things flow and don't worry about my English, don't know mm. if I give the right answers, just you know, share what I have to share and meet you and have an interesting yeah. conversation. Cool. And when I send this out, you can respond to that as well. Mm. And whatever you do, if you ask questions or you do consolation or you just uh, result orientated things you always do, <laughs> scientific mm. things, if you organize your quality of presence, then it's much more relaxed and more things can happen. Yeah, and also if we think about an organization as a group experience in a way, like if someone works 20 years in a company or even just uh, five years, it's uh, the same group experience. Uh, it would be nice if they would have the similar group experience, but all of the attention when what goes somewhere else that uh, yeah that can alternate the group experience and also the the cohesion between the group yeah, yeah. so um, i don't think it's important that they have the same group experience mm. i think um, in this world there are so many different choices many mm. different opportunities i do not aim at creating something equal i just want to invite all differences mm. to be there and if somebody decides to be there with a low quality of presence, mm. I can either accept that, okay, he's making a different choice, or I can invite this person to hire uh, his quality of presence. And then I can invite him uh, by a question or addressing what's, what's uh, causing the low quality of presence. And then if somebody decides not to, fair enough. Mm. So I include all possibilities. Uh, and in such a way, uh, everybody takes responsibility of themselves. And then if you take responsibility, full responsibility of yourself, then much more is possible. Because if you take responsibility, you have access to all your knowledge, to all your sources, to all mm. your ideas. When you have to listen to mine, it's mm. much less possible. Mm. However good my ideas are, of course. <laughs> so the group experience doesn't have to be mm, very forced. But no, yeah, but uh, if there is a vision, what can, what people can cling into or have, tune in, let's say, mm -hmm. then it's good if they have some presence. Yeah, yeah. So if you're the leader of this group or yeah. this session, you create with your quality of presence a field mm. um, which defines what's possible and what's not possible. So when you're part of this group, you enter the room you know immediately with your body mm. <laughs> what is possible. If it's going to be dreadful or if it's going to be fun or if there's room for new ideas, if there's room for difference, you know mm. it already. And that's because your body works like an antenna and it mm. responds, it resonates to the field the leader has created. And in creating this field, you can put invitations. Mm. Put invitations like, um, we um, are going to uh, work out new ways of doing things, but mm. we are not going to discuss the goal. Mm. This is also what you can put in the field with the quality of your presence. And as a leader, you uh, both create a field and keep the result focus. Yeah. That was also interesting that you mentioned that uh, don't focus on the goal, at least for a day. Yeah. To, to stay away, to solve it, just observe it, and maybe you would come uh, uh, after a day or two, you have much more uh, like fruitful ideas because you are not stuck anymore. Yeah. 
So if you like um, working on solving a problem for, for some time now, and you have tried this, you've tried that, and a new idea, let's try this, and it all doesn't work, then you can add uh, more systemic knowledge by not focusing on the result for a day, just for one day, because you know, you've had the problem for a couple of weeks now, hmm. so one day, less or more, that does not make a difference. And if you disconnect from this, this focus, then you can zoom out, and by zooming out, you can find out new connections, and new connections create new exchange, and new exchange uh, results in uh, new ideas and new solutions. Hmm. New possibilities. New possibilities, yeah. New dimensions. And it's really easy. If you work hard, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> Life yeah. is not hard. Life is easy. And a very nice uh, question. Ooh. What I wanted to ask. It's special. Mm. Uh. <laughs> ah, okay. If you wake up tomorrow morning and a miracle has happened, and everything is as you wished for, mm -hmm. how would your life look? You're asking me? Yes. Same as this morning. It's a miracle question. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I don't like the miracle question. Yeah. I know lots of people do. Yeah. Uh, but the answer can only come from what I know that I know. Mm. So it's more of the same, but done in more elegant words. Yeah. So there's nothing new for me in there. Yeah. And um, if... A miracle needs to happen to lead the life I want to live. I'm doing something wrong <laughs> already. So for me, the answer would be the same as how I woke up this morning. And I have the feeling I can do anything, uh, anytime, all the time. Hmm. Um, and when I cannot, I uh, keep something stuck. I obstruct something. So then I go searching for what is it I'm, I'm obstructing. Most of the time, I create my own problems myself. So mm. I do not need miracles. I, I am capable <laughs> of mm. achieving what I want to achieve. And that's a much more, in my eyes, healthy way of thinking. It's just a way of thinking. It's not scientific. I cannot prove it. Yeah. But um, by thinking this way, I feel capable. I feel free. I feel alive. I feel loving. Mm. Well, it's a good way to live your life. Yeah, and you also kind of answered me your purpose behind it, uh, your vocation, let's say. Mm -hmm. It's kind of uh, telling me that uh, you are fulfilled when you can be the facilitator of uh, a flow, yeah. creating flow of nature. You do it uh, through companies, but companies influence people and the world. Yes. And that's what I, uh, it comes through that it makes you happy that you but are. I only want it for myself. Yeah. If I want it for you, yeah. then I project my own needs on you. Yeah. This does not help you. And if a company comes to me and says, I need a, a project leader for designing a process in mm. such and such, well, then don't come to me. Mm. <laughs> if more flow is needed in one way or another, then, then I can be of. Uh, any service hmm. yes. and also for my children I do not want my children <laughs> to have the same flow as I have hmm. I invite them to live their life and discover who they are and what their capabilities are and how they can use it in such a way that it fulfills them hmm. yeah. it's much richer yeah. so if you say to them 
um, you have to do it in such a way that you create flow in your life, hmm. then I make the, the space for them in how they can do it much smaller. Hmm. Then I have a result for them. But if I invite them by living the example, yeah. they can make their own choices and then it's much stronger hmm. than when they would copy my behavior, which they will do anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's also very popular very powerful attitude is trying to live by example instead of uh, be an authority even within a family yeah, yeah. yeah. because if I'm an authority yeah. uh, then I reject your choices yeah. and your way of living and you are rejected this is yeah. not an invitation this is not a connection um, and if you feel rejected uh, there's no life in that hmm. so I would rather have you and the people I work with and my children and my husband and my friends to be in the best state they can be mm. according to their opinion because then we can do anything we can change the world mm. yeah. that That's, sounds good <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah well I changed mine so yeah. it works for me <laughs> yeah it's also uh, crazy that uh, whoever is not happy with uh, how the world is going and uh, they want to change uh, let's try to check up yourself and try to change yourself and then uh, then uh, from within you can see how difficult it is just to change one bad habit or one uh, attachment to a certain ideology and you will see that it's going to be much more different much more difficult to scale it up to a world scale but you have to start somewhere and instead of pointing on other people start with yourself <laughs> Yeah, so if you have a, a habit, you can start by not calling it bad. Yeah. But by calling it a habit, you might want to change. Yeah. You're not sure yet. What doesn't serve you, maybe? Yeah, and yeah. how does this habit serve you yeah. on a different level? Yeah. And then you get a much more um, rich approach. And uh, perhaps like eating disorders, how does eat or, or alcohol or mm. uh, things like that, how does it serve you? Mm. On what level does it serve you? Well, alcohol is like... Not having to feel okay mm. for what is not having to feel a good solution mm. and then you are on the layer of inviting and, and researching and then you can do something which doesn't take willpower or doesn't take strength or yeah. doesn't take having to beat yourself up by yeah. if you fail again uh, and then it's much more sustainable as well you also mentioned that uh, there is all uh, in the most of the problems there is a solution for something else and we have to kind of that's why this observation uh, method or the observation mindset is uh, can be actually beneficial because then you see what can you learn from the situation instead of uh, being the victim yeah. so if a problem is a symptom of something yeah. else it's not about problem yeah. and as soon as you address what it's a symptom of then it does not need to exist anymore mm. so it will disappear by itself Hmm. It's a totally different way of thinking. Hmm. And please do not believe me because I'm saying it. Hmm. Just check for yourself in your own life if you have a problem that's reoccurring and you don't know how to solve it, you don't know how to fix it. You think, well, perhaps it's a symptom of something else. You know it's a symptom of something else because it's part of a pattern. Hmm. So it keeps coming back. Or when you have a gut feeling, saying, hmm, I'm not sure, it's, I think it's about something else as well. And the third reason to um, take a problem as a symptom is if you have no clue what to do. Hmm. This often happens to me as a business consultant. Hmm. 
um, if you have no other clue what to do, just assume it's a symptom of something else and then start investigating what is it a symptom about. Hmm. It's really fun. Hmm. <laughs> and you mentioned that it took you, it, it was also a process for you, uh, how this book got uh, manifested mm-hmm. and how was this process uh, was it a, a 10 year process or is just the no. last year or so or how did it happen it's a two week process wow. <laughs> yeah so first i developed a card deck and it's like a, a ready made questions and it's like a tool for people to use uh, in their work or in their uh, coaching or in their life or there's many many different ways to use uh, the questions in the card deck and that was a really successful product. It really sold amazingly. Mm. I didn't make any advertising, no marketing, but mm. people just liked mm. it. And once I was giving a training with a co-trainer, and uh, she said, oh, sit, look at this. I got this beautiful card deck. Mm. <laughs> and then she showed me my own card deck. <laughs> it was so funny. I said, yeah, yeah. She said, do you know it? Mm. I said, yes, I know it. <laughs> it was not branded uh, back then? Yeah, my name was on it, but she didn't realize that I was the person who created the card deck. <laughs> so it was really funny the moment she discovered. So first there was this card deck, and then uh, people started asking me, why don't you write a book about it? Because we want to know more. We want to know more about your ideas behind these questions, and these questions are so strong, and we want to learn more and use them more. And um, I already had written a book with Leon Steegs. It's called Unlocking Systemic Wisdom. And in my mind, I always, always thought I will write a book once in my life, mm. just one book. So one of my answers was like, yeah, I already wrote a book and uh, I don't want to do that again. And then I had this question so many times and I had answered it so many times mm. that you get this story. So you make mm. up a story why you don't want to write a book. Mm. And then one day I couldn't remember my story. Mm. <laughs> it was on a Sunday morning. So when the children were asleep, I said to my husband, I, want, I, I, I just need to start writing, just see what happens, mm. because it's interesting that I cannot remember my story. And I started writing, and that evening I went to bed at four o'clock, and then the, the book just flowed through me. Mm. <laughs> and within two weeks, the weeks, the first manuscript uh, was finished, mm. and uh, it's almost like the book already existed without yeah. me knowing it. And the only thing I had to do was make sure I was unstuck and did yeah. not obstruct the book yeah. anymore. Yeah. So it was really funny uh, experience. It uh, really made you walk your talk, in and a sense. It made me walk my talk. Yeah. And I have three children, I have yeah. a business, I yeah. have a husband. So it was not like I got two weeks in a... Uh, so the, uh, no, nothing. Yeah. It was just like when I had 30 minutes or more, I wow. would use them to write. Wow. And then the first edition was uh, three times as big as the current edition. Mm. And then I just started deleting because I thought mm. it's too much, it's too much. And mm. um, I want it to be attractive for people who don't like mm. reading. <laughs> My last uh, idea when I when I put down the book, mm. I was like, there are so many exercises in it. that It's, a, it's an exercise book. Am I correct on, on a way that it's an ex- exercise book too? Yeah, because I don't want you to believe uh, yeah. what I write because mm. I wrote it. I want you to experience it. So I put in a lot of experiences so you can check for yourself if what I just wrote, if it's right or not. Mm. So all the exercises are meant to check. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it would be a bit boring if you just read the book yeah. to have it read. Yeah, because many people just go for the for the authors. Not nowadays they go for a best selling and just so smooth to go through and you grasp one or two ideas okay you'll finish with the book and then okay i have this one of two one or two ideas and i'm i'm done with the two three hundred pages of book but you cannot turn it back you you really have to read through a book again yeah to or maybe there was something else there was something else but here you actually point out the exercises which are the most beneficial and yeah for me it was also like oh (laughs) <laughs> this exercise, I, I really need to take uh, my time for it. Yeah, if you want. Yeah. If you want. Yeah, right. that was my, my thing. Like, oh, I wish I could uh, get into this exercise, but oh, I have to finish the book. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, you don't have to finish the book. Yeah. I mean, if, if you just my... read one chapter yeah. and, and it helps you, well, good for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I really had this uh, this deep interest or some my antenna said that okay just go through the book also you told uh, or you suggested in the book don't uh, remember anything or yeah. don't just go through it and and let it flow yeah yeah, yeah. and when i uh, teach groups i always say uh, at the beginning uh, don't believe me because it's true because i don't believe me because i say it and i also say i'm not responsible that you learn anything hmm. And I also don't take any responsibility for you having fun or that uh, this meeting is meaningful. I only take responsibility for the quality of my teaching. Hmm. And then something really interesting happens because some people get angry (laughs) because they say, well, you are the teacher. You should take responsibility for what I'm learning. But of course, I cannot take responsibility for that. The only person who can take responsibility for that is you yourself. Same thing when you are a reader. And then when I say this, I create uh, a context mm. in which I can do what I need to do and you can do what you need to do. Mm. Uh, and that's much more interesting. And if people get angry, they are connected to something else. They project mm. things on me. Mm. There's no life in projection. Mm. You just keep your stuff to yourself and I keep mine to myself. Mm. And then at the end of my teachings, I always say, please do not work hard to try to remember. Hmm. Just trust that what is of value to you comes back to you in a moment that you need it. And that's much more interesting. Then also you can relax. You don't need to keep it. Hmm. So you don't have to spend any any energy in keeping it. And you can just trust life. Yeah, and uh, it's also interesting what you say that when someone gets angry, I guess it's also, yeah, anger is also related to fear they they uh, maybe they are inclined to get an answer but your workshop where the whole book is about uh, questions so yeah yeah uh, it's about questions but questions is only the way of communicating yeah it's about reconnecting it's about um, making things unstuck and it's about inviting it's about allowing life to do what life does hmm. So I, I can imagine that uh, you can create a, a very special energy on these uh, training days uh, among the group. I can, I mean, just, just yeah. uh, my, my sense. How big are the groups usually? Or how, how what was the biggest uh, group? Or the 500 was the biggest. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you do something different when you uh, 
talk to 500 people than when you talk to 12 people. Yeah. Yeah. And the groups I like best are the groups in my teaching program. It's called the expert program. Mm. And then I can teach people uh, anything mm. <laughs> I know about uh, moving questions. And they really uh, commit to learning it and uh, we get to spend some time together. Mm. And that's, that's so, um, yeah, I just start glowing thinking mm. about it because I can see um, the unstuckness in front of my eyes. Mm. And people start to uh, release things that were stuck in their minds or the ideas. Or, and as soon as this happens, they can immediately transform it to different decisions in their life mm. and apply it in the work. And so yeah, that's, that's just, oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you, with this, you also create your own little systems, which kind of uh, ripple effect. Uh, Exactly. Themselves. Yeah. Yes. In the bonus uh, chapter, there's also a lot about how these uh, systems are almost eternal and uh, no time limits them and no space. Yeah. Can you talk more about these, how these systems are layering on each other on a, from an individual perspective and also from a company perspective or organization? Uh, in my definition, a system is a whole, is, is, is a thing that exists which has um, characteristics of itself. Mm. It consists of parts and because the, these parts are uh, together, they form something completely new. Mm. And um, uh, an atom is, is a system, mm. you could say. It's uh, protons, neutrons, mm. and electrons, but also a solar system is also a system uh, with the moons and the suns and mm. the planets and the whole thing. And both of them, the, the smallest as well as the largest, they keep moving and they keep interacting with each other. They exchange information. Mm. And this is what I find so interesting because if they exchange information, like how can planets talk to each other? Mm. They do because they move mm. depending on the position of the other. Mm. That's, I find it really fascinating. So if they move all the time through patterns and they can communicate, in my opinion, then we as humans should try to see how can we keep things moving, how can we interact, how can we exchange, uh, because that's uh, a law of nature. So this concept uh, I use when I talk about systems, and um, a system does not have to, uh, parts of systems do not have to see each other or to be able to touch each other to exchange information, mm. because if this were true, planets would be uh, mm. touching each other as well, mm. which is not necessary. Um, also, if you have a smartphone, uh, you exchange information all the time without knowing, without meaning. Google knows I'm here talking to you. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want it, but it, but it happens anyway. Yeah. So you can send and receive information without uh, uh, being physical present. Mm. And this concept you can use, this is also what your body uses when it responds to the energy somebody is uh, sending out. Twins are famous for that. Mm. If one twin has an accident, the other twin gets uh, sick or gets a headache or mm. gets stressed out. That's also communicating uh, without being physically present. The same thing goes for time. Mm. Uh, I'm Dutch and being Dutch is different than being Hungarian. Mm. And even though you are living now in the Netherlands, mm. you are still connected to Hungary yeah. and the whole history of Hungary. When I talk to you, I can sense something mm. of that. I can sense it's different 
than growing up in the Netherlands, where we have wet feet if we don't work together. Yeah. Piece of history told yeah, <laughs> from so every one of us. Yeah. Exactly, and um, you can ignore it. Mm. You can say it's not allowed to be here, which we as Dutch sometimes do with our refugees. Mm. Um, but you can also say this is part of you, let's mm. give it a place in which mm. it will work for you and the society nowadays. Mm. Yeah. So, and for me, in how I was raised, is also the history of my family. Mm. So everything that happens to my family in my family is also part of me. And I can say I don't want it. Uh, it's too much. Uh, it's ugly or it's beautiful. Mm. It is what it is, and I cannot change this. I can only change how I uh, relate to this, and I can whatever it is. I can relate in such a way that it brings life, that it brings connection, that it allows energy to flow. That's the most healthy thing to do for myself, but also for systems I'm part of. Mm. It's also the most healthy for my family. Mm. It's also the most healthy for my work and, mm. and my friends and the area I live in. Yeah, it's in interesting that uh, this whole method is called the constellation, right? Mm. And also if we see the Stars, they also st uh, they are also yeah. a constellation. They are also yeah. a constellation. Yeah, and an atom is also a constellation. Yeah. yeah. And I looked up before the background of uh, Bert Hellinger. Yes. And he grew up in South Africa. No, in Germany. And South Africa a bit, like uh, yeah, he yeah, he, he went to later. Yes. Uh, but he was also involved in uh, Zulu communities. Yes. And. Is it something, what, uh, what is the root of his work uh, with the constellation work? Or it was just a, an interesting fact? Because some, sometimes I feel that uh, the most of the, these renowned uh, uh, Western scientists, mm -hmm. uh, especially who are uh, dealing with the human mind and uh, the society, they have some, some reach out to some uh, Eastern or some different cultures. Can yeah. you uh, sense some uh, some of the... Yeah, there are some different stories about it. Yeah. And um, I haven't asked him, so I don't know which one is true. But what I see is that... Um, I think that by living with the Sulus, he kind of remembered this to be true. And because he made a different connection than he could have made when he had stayed in Germany, he could then give it a different meaning. He could relate differently to the experiences uh, with the Zulus and his teachings in, uh, in Germany. And from that, um, his work could uh, evolve. Um, so I, I don't think it's very relevant which story is true. It's more relevant, it's more interesting to think about how can something new be created yeah. and then if you're inviting different knowledge and different ways of doing things to come in and you can relate to that then something new can uh, can occur but i don't think he invented it he invented constellations as a concept and as a mm. form but the knowledge used uh, to do constellation already existed yeah yeah, yeah. but maybe he he was uh he could observe it from a different angle in a tribal uh, yes. setting. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah, because that, that comes from all over the places. And the tribal setting is something different that we can learn from. And most of the, the successful organizations, 
when you go there and you really feel the vibe of the organization, it's like mm, it's like some tribal, like so there's yeah. connections. Yeah. Not only living in a tribal organization, also being a young man at the beginning of World War II, as yeah. he was uh, uh, living in Germany in Bayern, which mm. is the place where Adolf Hitler mm. lived. Mm. Uh, I, in my fantasy, he must have wondered what's happening here, mm. what does it mean? And perhaps mm. living with Zulu and using their knowledge, mm. he could make new connections that mm. nobody else uh, had made until so far. Mm. But that's just me fantasizing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and uh, when is the book is coming out in English? Uh, uh, the book is coming out this week in English, okay. so okay. I have a copy here with me, yeah. it's a proof, so yeah. you can have it. And the card deck is also available in uh, English, you can buy it at uh, Amazon or you can go to uh, seatsbucker.com and there you can find it. Okay, yeah. and what, uh, what are the next steps of your... Uh, yeah, I already had some questions <laughs> for a new book, wow. so I have a new story saying no, okay. but uh, to be honest, I can feel a new book living inside wow. of me, uh, and for now I just um, enjoy so much to share this knowledge and uh, to see the fruits of it, to see yeah. people relate in different ways and uh, using all the cap capabilities and all the energy, so I really want to work on movie questions some more, so I can bigger impact so yeah. I can plan to write a new book yeah. but then I will force the book out of me mm. um, um, so I wait for an impulse to start writing mm. and if I follow the impulse to start writing I'm in the systemic uh, connection yeah. so I cannot force it I can just invite it to come whenever yeah. it's finished and then it will be very easy to do but mm. if I plan to write a new book and then I will be more in the result focused yeah. And then it might be hard work, and well, I I don't I do uh, like to work a lot, but I don't like to work hard. Yeah. I want things to flow naturally, well. um, because that gives much more pleasure. Pleasure. I don't get exhausted. I get happy mm. when I come home, mm. and I think the things I do are much more healthy and sustainable that way. Mm. Well. Yeah. I wish I could learn. Uh, maybe that's the next uh, workshop uh, Why uh, content. You learn? To, uh, I mean. I'm in the process too, but uh, yeah. I think this this is a very crucial uh, element or of most of the people who want to create or write a book that, okay, it's in me, the ideas, um, what is this uh, little uh, button, what, uh, what allows me to flow instead of uh, forcing yeah. it? Yeah. So if you're at that state and it's difficult to, to really feel that you can wait for an impulse, then just say to yourself, suppose... I could do it like that. Hmm. Suppose I could do it like that. What would I do? Hmm. Yeah, this is one of the magical questions. Yeah. Also, yeah. yeah. And I'm no different than you, so there's no reason why it wouldn't work for you. Yeah. It works for me. So the goal is to teach uh, or facilitate the flow, let's say. Is it okay to say like that? Uh, I'd rather say that I love to invite. <laughs> okay, to invite the world. Yes. For to flow. Yes. To see what's what's true for them, what's yeah. true for you, and uh, if you like it or not. And if not, you don't like it. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. yeah. But I, my experience is that it's uh, very contagious. Mm -hmm. What kind of organizations uh, are approaching you? Uh, are there very big organizations too? 
Um, I'm fat one bit, so just me too. Actually, I feel more, it's like people approaching me. Yeah. So people who resonate with this kind mm. of thinking, uh, uh, they recognize that something is there and mm. they ask me how can I apply this in my organization mm. or how can I use this uh, way of thinking to address this and this problem. Um, so I feel more asked by people than by organizations. Mm. And the organizations, those people working, can be anything. Hmm. Yeah, wow. because it's not about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the end, it's all about the people. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And how they relate. Yeah, and if um, there's no uh, connection in the organization itself, I can do nothing. I'm of yeah. no value. So if it's if it's already awake in the person who's approaching me, then we yeah. can do something. So, people, <laughs> let's take it as an invitation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, we already shared your, your email, uh, the, your uh, website, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Sheetsbakker.com or yeah. .nl.com. .com. Yeah. yeah. And .nl is in Dutch. And the uh, moving questions is also a different website, right? Yeah. Yeah. But perhaps you can place a link on the... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, thank you. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. And, yeah. Get into the flow, people, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that, that would be something nice to experience more. To don't stuck. Yeah. And stop working hard. Yeah, stop working hard and uh, go with the flow. Mm -hmm. Like, so okay. thank you for this uh, meeting. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Say hi to the people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ciao, ciao. Okay. Bye, bye.